MCU.html Reassembled is brought to you by the Cage Club Network for all things movies, media, TV, comics, music, and more. Check out the Cage Club Network at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey everybody, I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And this is MCU.html. Yes, it is. We are currently in the middle of our annual State of the MCU, which is even shifting as we progress through it. So everybody, jump into your fantastic car, strap into your Quinjet, get in your Blackbird, uh, your, uh, hop in your Champions Mobile, um, your, your Excalibur hoverboard. Some of not in the MCU yet. Some of it's just, some people don't have cool vehicles, and that just really, it's never been more clear to me than how many people don't have cool named vehicles. Marvel writers, we need more spider van. All right. So I want to see the champion truck immediately. I think it's really funny that you are looking for more cool vehicles as a fan of the movies when normally that sort of stuff is written into movies and TV shows to create toys. You aren't even thinking about the toys. You want cool cars in the movies. Okay. I think we spent too much time over on Fast Furious. I think it's possible. I'm just thinking how cool it would be if, like, Kamala's just pulling up in a Corvette that suddenly grows wings. She's, like, 13. Well, she's a superhero. She gets a provisional superhero driver's license. Every now and then, Reed's got to be like, Kamala, the world's ending. Could you take over the Fantastic Car for me for a second? And she's got to be like, um, that's a stretch because they're both, they're both stretchy. I thought you were talking about the car. I'm so tired and confused. They're both stretchy. Yeah, I, I get it now. So we're here to discuss the actual MC you and the state of things as they are began with us discussing the films last episode and then with some ferocious aplomb marvel came in and said hey about those dates yes our previous episode was covering the six films that will be coming out within 12 months and now it looks like that timetable has gotten even shorter as black widow has been moved to july and shang chi has been moved to september so now it's six movies inside of 10 months which very tight, but I'm not complaining. Especially because I hear there's a plus to the situation. Yeah, I'm actually really thrilled that Disney finally buckled and admitted that they are just going to drop it on Disney Plus as well. Cruella got pushed too, and they're going to do the same. I really like the Disney Plus premium system. Speaking as someone who has not used it yet, I'll be honest there. There hasn't really been a movie yet where we have been like, yes, we definitely want to spend $30 to get this one early. But the fact of the matter is, I know there will be films. Black Widow being one, you know, there's plenty of movies that I have wanted to see but not wanted to leave the house for. Now you can turn your living room into the Red Room with Black Widow on home streaming. In the great tradition of Disney classics such as Return of Jafar, Bambi 2, Cinderella 2, The Lion King 2, The Lion King 1 and a half, you can now watch this new theatrical release in your own home. 
Here's the thing, though. That's the fucking dream! Like, it also has to do with how it affects people financially, and I do understand that. If you're thinking about a family, right, and it's this $30 flat rate, if the family is six people, right, it's however it breaks out that perhaps there's two adult tickets and four child tickets, right? Figure that that's going to run a family something like nearly $50 for them all to go, if not more, depending on where you live, regionally speaking. There's places where an adult ticket is $12.50 and a kid's ticket is $10. So with that in mind, for a larger family, a $30 one-time payment to stream it sooner is a sort of financial boon. Now, for dinks, like Kevo and I, it's... Wait, wait, wait. Explain what a dink is. Dual income, no kids. Okay. So for dinks, it's actually a little bit worse a deal because we lose out by virtue of it would only cost... Like, we would go to the Tuesday afternoon showing, pay six twenty five dollars a ticket, and we'd see this whole thing for less than $15. It's going to cost us a lot more than that to stream it at home, but that's a convenience that I'm kind of willing to pay, especially because that convenience ultimately reflects back on what I'm looking for from Disney+. Plus. It communicates to them how I want them to create content and what I'm willing to spend that money on. So I also just don't know why they don't make it like you pay per profile you had in the last 30 days. Number one, that would limit profile sharing. Number two, some sort of prorate on that. If you have one profile, you pay 22. If you have two profiles, you pay 25, whatever. But like there has to be some sort of metering metric. You know, and I'll be honest, at the end of the day, sometimes we end up spending 30, 40, 50 dollars on a movie excursion if it's not a time when we can get it at a premium, if we decide to get snacks, if it's far, like it's an amount that we would be paying anyway. And when it comes to those families, you know that your kids are going to want to watch some of these movies that you're spending $30 on repeatedly. You have it for a longer window than you used to have to spend at Blockbuster. You know, I just, I really think it's such a better system. And I love that you brought up the era of Disney direct-to-video sequels, because I really think that our generation, who were the ones that really experienced the boom of children's entertainment and experienced that whole Disney home video era, it's us who love these things, like the Marvel TV shows, like all of these sequels, like this interconnectedness and this synergy of product. And so I really like the direction that Disney and Disney Plus are going in with all of these things. I feel kind of bad that now I feel like this portion of the state of the MCU is going to come across like a friggin' Disney Plus commercial because the content of this episode is going to be the six Marvel TV shows that we are going to be getting in 2021. And so it's just going to be a lot of loving on Disney Plus. I'm sorry, but we're a Disney family. We just don't. And I actually want to talk for a moment about something that Disney Plus did right that I feel like I'm already seeing other places. Again, we're not getting paid by Disney Plus. We're just talking about a way that our material and content is delivered because that's really what matters to me. Like if this was 1992, I would just say it. I fucking hated those clamshell boxes. <gasps> They were so big and they always got bent to make them fit on the shelf. And maybe in your household. And the plastic would break. And no, I wanted simpler, smaller, better containment. Yeah, okay. Some of those cases, the soft ish plastic would harden over time, probably based on whatever material they made it out of. I'm not going to take that away from you. We just made sure to get shelves that could accommodate. They were pretty, but impractical. No, that's totally fair. And it's along the same lines as some of the 
more ornate and intricate DVD complete series packagings that we have seen that are just needless. The Lost Island we have, the Battlestar Cylon head they made. It's why they canceled the Golden Girl Sophia purse 10 years ago. It's just impractical. Although actually, I guess of all of them, a functional purse is pretty practical. So Disney Plus, as I was saying, because we're so bad at staying on topic, Disney Plus did something so beautifully a million zillion years ago. When they started, they were like, this is the Marvel heading. This is the Marvel cartoon heading. This is the Star Wars heading. This is the Star Wars prequels heading. This is the Clone Wars heading. Now, I'd forever bemoaned that I found Comixology occasionally really hard to use because every single issue got its own entry and that meant that like an annual sat over in its own annual category and every one shot of an event got its own category. That was too hard to navigate. They've now since redone it to be volumes are all together and like the current event, King in Black is shown as King in Black one shot. So it does feel like Disney Plus is even having an effect on the way other companies display their media. I like that. So without further ado, let's move from D Plus to TV on D Plus. Now, side note, there used to be this thing, DTV, which was Disney optioned some of the most popular music videos from MTV's music in the mid to early 80s and put classic Disney cartoons recut over them. So I learned a lot of really great pieces of music from that. I learned Hall & Oates and I learned Stevie Wonder. I forgot about that. That's where I learned that fucking ridiculous belly of a whale song that I make everybody listen to all the time. Daylight coming in the belly of a whale. It's amazing. Everybody's got to go look it up. So, okay. DTV on D+. Talk to me about it. Well, I'm surprised by the wealth of Disney television we are getting this year, to be honest. And we're already in the thick of it. We're getting six new MCU shows within 12 months, which include the amazing and already completed WandaVision, the currently in progress, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the upcoming Loki, this summer's projected What If animated series, and then later this year we will be getting Ms. Marvel and Hawkeye. As we've hinted at, obviously we were huge fans of WandaVision. Can't wait for more. And I think there's a really interesting fall off on WandaVision because people didn't get exactly what they wanted from the end of it. But I want to interact with that in an interesting way. I expected there to be a really big fall off after the Mandalorian season one, I had never expected people to come back harder and more intense for it in season two. That hadn't occurred to me. Beyond that, people didn't get what they wanted out of WandaVision because Marvel didn't know people would eat this up like this. They're not in the habit of pouring money fruitlessly into labors that they are certain will fail. That is not something corporations do intentionally. WandaVision was an unexpected hit. It made some huge changes to the MCU it just didn't make all the changes because they didn't know everyone was going to watch it. And they didn't even know people would get it. Like, I'm sure that's half the reason they stayed away from Mephisto or Nightmare is because they were like, this this stuff is a little bit too weird and out there for people. So we're in a really interesting era where they are able to produce things with such swift turnaround and they are able to respond to feedback from audiences so quickly that I really wonder how it's going to affect a lot of things that are currently in production and that are planned to go into production eventually and what we might see from that. I also think, you know, as you were saying, people didn't get exactly what they wanted from WandaVision or they weren't sure what they were getting. Like, I was thinking, and then we immediately hit the ground running with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, something completely different and yet in the same universe. So it shares that connection.
connective tissue. It's it's something that I can't say I, I can even think of a thing to compare it to. The fact that immediately, almost after the WandaVision season finale, we're starting a brand new season of the same universe. And it's... I, I don't even have words. They should have sent a poet. I feel like, in some ways, it's kind of like Law & Order with superheroes. It's a little bit The Walking Dead without the zombies yet. So let's focus on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier since that's the one that is currently on. The showrunner is Malcolm Spellman, who previously worked on Empire, and the director is Carrie Skoglund, who, among other things, directed an episode of season one of Netflix's Punisher, so that's pretty cool. As I mentioned, in our first ever YouTube video reaction to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I am very excited to have Captain America and the Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War composer Henry Jackman returning to do the score on this series. I think that's something that really helps that synergistic feeling. It's really helping keep the mood. He's bringing in themes from the films, which is great. There's also always been this sense of duality to Captain America as a franchise. In the first one, it's Cap and Bucky. Initially, Steve is the sidekick and Bucky is the charming leading man, but then they switch roles and it becomes about Bucky supporting Cap and it sort of evolves from there with everything with the incredible Peggy Carter. The second film deals so much directly with the duality of Cap, who got to be the good super soldier, and Bucky, who is the evil super soldier. Zola being another man lost to time, but an evil representation of it. In the third movie, it's Cap versus Tony, and they are two completely opposed but synergistic views of the world. There's always a duality and a dichotomy to the understanding of Captain America within the narrative of his own universe. Now, enhancing that here is a double duality. It's it's like, it's incredible. It's two double cheeseburgers because it's the two levels of Cap. It's John Walker and it's Bucky and it's two men who really aren't Captain America, both being forced into Steve's shadow. Neither one really should be wielding the shield and that's not a judgment of Bucky. Bucky's his own thing. That metal arm's a real turn on but he's not meant to wield the shield the way Steve was. That was never his destiny. And conversely you have two stunning representations of Captain America in Men of Color with Sam and Isaiah, where in a lot of ways, Sam is a representation of Steve's joy, and Bucky is a representation of Steve's neurosis. So the counterbalance to Bucky being neurotic is John Walker being a cocky piece of shit. Kind of nice, but kind of a cocky piece of shit. And whereas Sam gets to be joyous and blindly optimistic and hopeful, Isaiah has to play the other side of that coin. It's actually giving us four beautiful views of Captain America. Through the lens of four different men, and I'm just so grateful two of them are incredible actors of color. And I so completely agree with everything that you're saying that I can only see more instances of the duality down to the very title and leads of the show, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier themselves being two different sides of Cap and two different parts of his life. And, you know, there's even the duality of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier versus US agent and Battlestar as two different pairs that are working this case currently. Flag Smasher and Zemo, two different people who want to destroy government fallacy. Ugh, it's I, I, I actually really like it. I was talking about this with one of the amazing contributors to our media network, Rod Kamatha. You guys should check out his Twitter and check him out over on Access for Podcast. And as a man of color, he really says he's done proud by this. And, you know, to hear it from somebody who deserves this art. It's just so important to hear that it's resonating. And I'm a really big 
big fan and I've never liked Sebastian Stan more. Obviously, as we touched on in the first episode of State of the MCU, this is another one of those projects that went on an interesting journey. It was first announced as part of the big SCCC 2019 MCU event and its original release date was slated as fall of 2020 before being narrowed down in February of 2020 to coming out in August. In July of 2020, it was confirmed to be delayed due to COVID and was shifted to, quote, after WandaVision without any real details being given until December of 2020 on Disney Investor Day when the release date was finally confirmed as March 19th. Now, I really, really, really wonder so much about this program because of its shift and its delay and knowing how many things have done reshoots. I can't remember whether or not Falcon and the Winter Soldier did reshoots because of its delay. I would be interested to know what it might have been before without any sort of additions in light of the COVID quarantine affecting things in light of everything going on politically. I don't know. It's something I'll look more into on our Falcon and Winter Soldier specific episodes. I have two assumptions about what might have ultimately delayed Falcon and Winter Soldier. Anytime you're dealing with a storyline about terrorism and dissolving governments, you are possibly looking at a story involving a viral agent. And I don't know if they wanted to push back a pandemic story during a pandemic or shoot around that story, recut it, make it something different, but germ warfare comes up a lot in these kinds of stories, and perhaps there was a germ warfare storyline that needed to be moved. I also wonder if there's a synergistic reason it needs to be near enough Black Widow. And Wanda can be a little bit further from Doc Strange, but because, you know, she's got a lot of book to read, but (laughs) this might be a little bit more on the tightness spectrum. I get that. We are currently two episodes in, so we have four remaining, and assuming things stay on that schedule, the finale should be dropping on April 23rd. We were originally going to be getting Black Widow before our next Disney Plus show, but instead, the next project to be coming out from the MCU will then be Loki, which will debut on June 11th. The Magpies! The Magpies! The showrunner of Loki is Michael Waldron, who, as mentioned previously, is also the writer of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, so that's exciting. Wait a minute, are you saying there's no Marvel show for two months between Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki? More like a month and a half, but yeah, there was originally supposed to be Black Widow. I have this thing, I feel like they're trying to make sure there's only like two weeks between Disney Plus show drops, but when there's a movie, they're giving it like a month. Give it a month to breathe because it's a movie, it would have that much time before it goes to home video, yeah. But Black Widow got moved, so that messed up that flow. I think that might be a mistake. I think they should have something smaller ready to go. Something animated, something that supports the film, or webisodes. Like, you know, Luis is one of the most popular things about Ant-Man. It would be maybe smart to have a once a week, five minute drop of Luis featurettes for Ant-Man to keep people remembering it. Well, not to jump ahead of ourselves, but I don't really have much to say about what if because nothing has changed about it and that's pretty cool at least but maybe it would be a good idea to switch those on the schedule and drop that early i i don't know because like i said that one seems to be pretty in the can there's been no updates i i have no new notes on that project from our first state of the mcu it's going to feature a lot of the stars returning it's going to be a lot of interesting concepts but like it can pretty much go anywhere so i hear what you're saying about that is a large 
large gap to leave with no Marvel content. So maybe that would be a good idea. I don't know. Because you can do something one of two ways. You can either constantly bring us back in excited or you can keep that ball rolling. And if you're constantly trying to tell us this is the reintroduction of the Marvel Universe, we're going to get bored. But if you just keep that ball rolling at all times, I think you're going to see something a little bit more far reaching on the returns. Maybe what if could just run one at a time. Drop a what if here, drop a what if there. Just every Friday, there's a Marvel drop. I'm not saying they need to produce 52 weeks of scripted media content because I think things like the behind the scenes that they did for WandaVision had a lot of people very happy. The look at the Marvel creators that they did earlier in the year, Project 616, was tremendous. And that's the kind of thing they could use to fill the schedule a little bit better. And it's weird, but you could also play with how the schedule actually works too. What if you dropped two a week on Tuesday and Thursday? You don't necessarily have to box yourself. Or maybe they're under some sort of weird contract and they have to drop things on Friday. Like, I don't know. But like, I think that would be a really cool way to keep people interested in coming back regularly. Either way, I'm definitely going to stay excited about this series and this project. It's something that is a lot more in my realm of interest along the lines of WandaVision. The current premise listed for the series is Loki is brought to the Mysterious Time Variance Authority organization after stealing the Tesseract during the events of Avengers Endgame and travels through time, altering human history using it, ending up trapped in his own crime thriller. That just sounds exciting as hell. We have Owen Wilson coming in as Mobius M. Mobius and Gugu Mbathura from Doctor Who as Martha Jones's sister, playing a member of the Time Variance Authority, and lots of other really interesting cameos and hints as to what we might be seeing. I'm a big Thor guy, and I'm a pretty decently big Loki guy. Probably a little bit more Kid Loki by Kieran Gillen. I would love Lady Loki by J. Michael Straczynski if it wasn't so, like, kind of problematic-y, but I am a big fan of this character. The Tom Taylor, Al Ewing reimagining of Loki as a 20-something, charming, smarmy guy also really works for me. Jason Aaron gets him really well. So there's so much great recent Loki to focus on that I can't help but think this is a great time to be a Loki fan and this show has a lot of really great potential. I would love it if the show saw some of the multiple iterations of Loki, which would also allow Tom Hiddleston to transition out if he was looking to move on from the role after all of these years. But this is also another really great way to keep people synergistically excited about Thor as we await Thor for more Thor. And the character is so fluid that he could always step away and come back. You know, there's a lot of interesting things that they can do because of the nature of this show's mythology. And interestingly, this is, uh, we're getting to a point in the schedule now where things have not really changed so much. This was originally announced at the SDCC 2019 MCU event as coming out in spring of 2021 and, you know, basically is what happened. You know, there's sort of an expectation that things will move up or down the schedule a month or two, no matter what. And, you know, this one coming out in June, that's pretty close. I also think because of the nature of this series, so much of it probably had to be filmed on green screen or at very specific locations. And if this show has the sort of far reaching implications for the Marvel Universe that I would expect something of this caliber to, I would think, especially because it is Tom Hiddleston and Loki, which honestly had a bit more 
caveat to its name than Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch at the start of this whole thing, I would think maybe that Loki is kept a little bit more under wraps because it might have a little bit more impact. But either way, I'm over the moon excited for this show, and it's a great time to be a Loki fan. They're doing a Loki omnibus that actually shorthands some of the first two Journey into Mystery omnibus for Thor. So it's again, they're trying to keep the comics in line with the show. Everything's going pretty well if you're into Loki right now. And the exciting and strange news is that the show will not only definitely be connected to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, but development on a second season of the series uh, has already begun. As of November, it should start filming January of 2022. So as far as Disney Plus series, this is the first where we already have a confirmed second season. And you know, come to think of it, Doctor Strange doesn't come out till sometime in 2022. So that means whatever they're developing with an expectation to film, they're committed to. Now, obviously, something filmed in January would still have time for reshoots before a March film drops, but that is advanced commitment to an idea in a way that fits Infinity War, Endgame, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that Captain Marvel oeuvre era of the MCU. That is a really, really interesting point on both ends. So I guess we'll have to see what happens there. We have two shows that will be rounding out 2021 at some point that are more focused on the upcoming generation of Marvel heroes. First, we will have Ms. Marvel, show run by Bisha Kayali and starring Iman Vellani as Kamala Khan, aka Ms. Marvel. Uh, this was first announced at the 2019 D23 conference and uh, is another one that has pretty much stayed on target for release. I remember when Ms. Marvel was announced. I remember when she started coming out. It was such an amazing time to be reading that book. And it's still amazing to be reading Kamala. She's incredible whether she's showing up in her own title, The Pages of the Champions, or making guest appearances with characters like Amadeus Cho, the totally awesome Hulk, or Robbie Reyes, the incredibly hot, sexy Latino ghostwriter whom she has kind of like just like a, a little bit of chemistry with that I really dig, right? Kamala Khan is one of the most exciting characters in the Marvel Universe. And I like to remind everybody that the Marvel Synergy Machine is stronger than you would believe. Before Rescue showed up in the MCU, I got a Rescue figure from the Marvel Unlimited Club. Ms. Marvel was this year's Marvel Unlimited figure. I got a Kamala Khan Spider-Man outfit action figure with interchangeable extending parts. I know it sounds silly that I'm pointing out that they want everybody who reads digital comics to have a Kamala figure in their house, but they want everyone who reads digital comics to have a Kamala figure in their house. They're trying to create brand identity. This is going to be a very big thing that we discuss going forward. Think about how Deadpool sort of proliferated into the cultural vernacular, how he slowly crept in. That's how they figured was the best way to get people to accept the Latino Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and the brilliant, beautiful, incredible, smart, Muslim superhero Ms. Marvel. It's, I'm just so proud. Like, I'm just so proud. And, you know, it should always be said that there couldn't be a Ms. Marvel without Sana Aminat, who is a brilliant editor over at Marvel. I think the thing I am most curious about for Ms. Marvel right now is the format. We don't currently know what format it is going to be released in. Kevin Feige is pretty evasive about format right now. He likes to just play things fast and loose. But we've been told pretty much that most shows are going to be either six one hours or ten half hours. I imagine Ms. Marvel would lean more into the latter. But, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. 
And then despite being announced first, the show that will be coming out next, rounding out 2021 for us, Nico is so excited, we will be getting our Hawkeye series from showrunner Jonathan Igla, starring Jeremy Renner as Clint and Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop. Oh, and also apparently Alakwa Cox as Maya Lopez, aka Echo, who, surprise, is also getting her own show now. Like, hasn't even debuted yet and is getting her own show. Could not be more thrilled. We have always loved the character of Echo from the Daredevil comics and had long feared that we might not see her in an adaptation. So the fact that we are seeing Echo in the MCU before Daredevil is wild. There's a specific scene that I would really like to see from the Matt Fraction, David Aja, Annie Wu run of Hawkeye. And there's an exchange where Clint says, I will never lie to you, Kate, ever, about anything. Otherwise, what's the point? And a moment later, I'm going to skip the plot spoilery stuff. Kate says, there's things I can't unfeel ever to, Clint. Today has sucked 10 ways from Tuesday. Trust me. Ow, 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 ow. But it's a really powerful scene between two really battered people where the only thing that matters is that they can trust each other. Hawkeye is a story about trust, right? That's kind of the relationship an archer has with their bow and their arrow. It's about, you know, focus and precision and it's about trusting your aim and I really need to see this be a show about trust. Now, obviously, I want to pull up a seat and have like a 45 minute discussion about Echo because, you know, Maya Lopez originally debuting in the pages of Daredevil 9 through 16. She was created by David Mack as a strong, smart, capable replacement love interest. The character had just lost a love interest and there was no real need to put him back with Elektra at the moment. She was doing her own thing. She was thriving as a character and Echo was created as a new love interest. And this is a really surrealist era of Daredevil. It's very experimental. Now, the story is that Echo, as a young girl, was taken in by Wilson Fisk, who ultimately is revealed, killed her father. And the heads at Fox liked that so much, they said that would be Elektra's backstory now and just sort of stuck it on Elektra in the films. So some of you might actually already be kind of familiar with Echo down to the the playground fight. I mean, it really is. Movie Elektra is comic Echo with size. So, and that's S-A-I-S, not S-I-G-H-S or S-I-Z-E. I'm wondering what they will and will not be able to adapt from the comics Clint Hawkeye and Kate Hawkeye story, however, because this Clint is so different, we already have confirmation that his kids are going to be appearing in this series. I haven't necessarily seen anything on Linda Cardellini, but, you know, still, his kids, and that makes this character already so different from the Clint Barton in the comics. And I'm going to be really honest, I am not a particularly kind person about Hawkeye as a character. I think he gets a lot of, for lack of, like, a kind way to put it, like, cool white guy pass, and I don't need that in my superheroes. I need superheroes that are worth emulating. I have enough people that I'm forced to deal with, have too much power, that are garbage in the real world. I don't need an overabundance of it in my fiction. So much of Hawkeye is this kind of paste job in Thor, and then he's not even himself the first hour of Avengers. Then he is Captain Sad Boy in Age of Ultron. We never really get a chance to love him before he's Ronin, and by that I mean obviously the guy with the big hammer in Guardians of the Galaxy, Hawkeye becomes Ronan. So I just feel this is a very necessary change to make in order to secure Hawkeye's place 
place in the cultural vernacular by having him become, and then we've seen threads of it, where he is this nurturing person. He uh, took in Wanda in a sense. You know, we see him training his kids. So we know he is a nurturing man. I think if his TV show can deal with the loss of Natasha without making it Natasha dying is Clint's story, I'll be very thrilled. Well, we will definitely be seeing an appearance from a Black Widow. It is already confirmed that Florence Pugh will be making a guest appearance as Yelena Baloba. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I feel like her name should be one of the lines in La Viva Wem. Yelena Baloba! So I'm excited for Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop is one of my favorite characters. I'm excited for America. Whoa. I'm excited for Echo. She's another phenomenal character. It's a really good time to... And Kamala, wow. I can't stop thinking about how many phenomenal women are coming to the screen that I never could have imagined getting to see. So many of them being champions or young Avengers after getting Billy and Teddy and now Isaiah, so probably Eli. We are just in a the youth of Marvel world right now. And that's kind of made more and more evident by Marvel's Avengers, the Square Enix video game. Now it's on pretty much every system except Switch, which is the thing I play the most. So that sucks. But it's a pretty poorly received video game. It was expected to be a lot more engaging, being made by the people who make Final Fantasy and also being a Marvel product that was in development for so many years. People expected a little bit more of it and then it didn't quite go the way they thought it might. So a lot of the updates involve new and more modern characters. They've announced a full year of tie-in rollouts. So everything that's going to happen in Marvel's Avengers for the next couple of years is going to try and enhance people's experience with the MCU. I think that's interesting in that so many of these TV show characters are going to then be immediately playable on your console is, you know, kind of the goal. It's really great synergy and branding and thinking about all of the different avenues through which people might like to enjoy these characters and these stories. And without getting into any of the shows that are upcoming, to take a look back at some shows gone by, there was already Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel's Slingshot. They attempted a number of times to make a Mockingbird show work, but never quite got off the ground. And then there's, of course, Marvel at Netflix, which saw Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Punisher, and The Defenders, all as unique titles, each with dozens of beloved characters inside of them. And it's easy to forget because of how short-lived it was, but there was also the fantastic Agent Carter on ABC as well. Great point. And speaking of short-lived, how can we skip Runaways or Hellstrom, which one and done? We still have MODOK upcoming, the Tigra Dazzler show never quite got off the ground and it looks like it's not going to happen. There's been so much Marvel TV over the last few years, not even counting things like Marvel Rising, which sees more of these brilliant, incredible female characters coming into their own in animation. I feel like part of what it's going to take to make this new age of Marvel work a little bit better is I might need some accounting for the Marvel Netflix universe in some way or another. Tell me it exists or tell me it doesn't. Give me a different Daredevil that is preferably played by Charlie Cox or give me the same Daredevil that's still definitely played by Charlie Cox, but do it. Commit because now we're missing out on more Luke Cage and now we're missing out on more Elektra and now we're missing out on more Colleen Wing. And these are characters that are vital to a lot of people's fan experience. I'm excited for a lot of the new characters we're getting and it's high time we get all of them. I just hope that we don't forget to look back at some of the most interesting interpretations of some of the best love characters Marvel's ever produced. 
I'm thinking we're going to get more concrete answers about that with Spider-Man at the end of this year and Doctor Strange next March, but I'm so impatient. Hopefully we'll get some preliminary answers at least from Loki this summer because I'm, I'm really with you. You know, for me, the thing I'm going to keep saying is I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a divergent timeline. So like sort of the same universe, but like not exactly... Oh my god marvels and humans yeah but then exactly that's another one like that's not exactly the main mcu timeline and marvel netflix is not exactly the main mcu timeline they're sort of the same world but like they're they're branches just because like they don't really fit as well i wish they had because there's so many things that we loved about a lot of these shows but they never worked as hard as they are working now to make sure that these things all fit in the same universe. I have to wonder how much the Marvel Netflix experience is why they said D plus or die. I know D plus was in the works for a decade, but you know, these there's sometimes a, a desire to get things out and it creates these sort of temporary stop gaps. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was not the hit it needed to be. We're not judging the content. We're not judging the quality. And yes, the international market on it, it is one of the highest watched international shows. It had a strong vocal online community. It did didn't really have conversation power outside of the blogosphere, which is something that you can see in the unceremonious way ABC underpromoted it, right? So I'm pretty sure Inhumans is meant to be the Marvel Universe and like it, it's meant to interact with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and it was going to be the next big thing and they put it in theaters in IMAX and it was the second time they did Inhumans because they did Inhumans on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they just kept trying at something and it just didn't connect with audiences. And I wonder how much of that has to do with the delivery system not being the finely tuned machine it is now. Yeah, D-plus is just such a better method through which to deliver these programs. Network television was already starting to lose popularity when they were trying to get in on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I think trying to force it to be a a 22-episode-a-year television show that requires so many stories to have to run through and needing to eat up so much much Marvel Comics content that then the movies need to take into consideration for a TV show that doesn't bring in anywhere near the capital of the films. What's up, Dark? Hold on, I'm looking at you. Which is why Kevin Feige keeps saying he's just thinking of these things as six-hour movies that they are just cutting up differently for all of the different programs themselves. And it's, it's really the better way of trying to do this. Well, until we come back next time to look at some of the programming that doesn't quite have the same level of concrete date or filming schedule. Kevo, where can everybody find you? You can find me on the social meds at Kevo Reilly, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. Nico, where can the folks find you? As always, you guys can find me twice weekly here on Cage Club Network doing X's for podcasts where we examine all things X-Men each week. You can also find me over on my social media at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N on Twitter and Instagram. And guys, until next time, we'll see ya. Bye.